0: Um, Welcome. I'm Jeremy Brock. Uh, On behalf of BAFTA, welcome to this uh, second lecture in the 2018 Screenwriter's Lecture Series in conjunction with JJ Charitable Trust and Lucy Gard. Um, This afternoon, as I know you're aware, we are incredibly honoured to be hosting the great Taika Waititi to New Zealand's multi-award winning writer and director of such films as Eagle vs Shark, Hunt for the Wilder People*, and Thor Ragnarok. The the sheer breadth and scale of Taika's work speaks for itself, but always there is a signature warmth and empathy that sits alongside a gift for interrogating the odd-couple nature of human relationships, whether in the intimate settings or the grand opera of the Marvel franchise. His ability through the singularity of his storytelling to reach across cultures makes him a truly international talent, and we are really delighted that he's agreed to come and speak to us today. Taika will uh, give a class, followed by a Q&A with our series producer, Maria Kadabai, And as we always do, we'll open it up to questions from the floor.
1: Do you want, do you want to do a class or do you...
0: oh.
1: yeah.
2: My uh, strength is dialogue, uh, obviously. Um, the good thing is, it can't get any worse. <laughs> so it only weighs up from here. Uh, yeah. Okay. I was hoping that would eat up a good ten minutes of this. Stuff. <laughs> it's not, no. Okay. Um, how's it going? As you can see, I've got all my notes. I'm very prepared. <laughs> got a PowerPoint, uh, with no pictures. In no words. That's it. (laughs) That's it there. That's that's my PowerPoint. It says one page, my name. Screenwriter's Lecture Series, British Academy of Film and Television Arts, (laughs) Um, supported by the JJ Charitable Trust and at BAFTA Guru. Um, That's some of my text that I put in there, just to prove I did write something. I've eaten up a good two minutes. <laughs> Only 86 to go. <laughs> um, OK, I, this, the, the, the word lecture, this, I mean, you know, I mean, this is a loose term, really, isn't it? Lecture. Um, I'm here to talk to you guys about screenwriting. Um, I don't know much about screenwriting, but I thought that what would be nice for us and for me is just to have a conversation. With you guys, which would get me off the hook um, in a big way, having no notes and nothing prepared. Which is kind of how I've um, operated um, uh, in the... You should not take any photos. <laughs> I do not want a record of this. It should be deleted from everyone's memories at 4 p.m. Um, so, yeah. Thanks for having me, uh, BAFTA and JJ Charitable Trust. Um, It's lovely to be here. I've got a really sore head. Uh, Last night, um, I was at a bar (laughs) and uh, uh, I smashed my head into a bookcase. (laughs) And so I've got an aching headache right here, right just here. So if anyone has, I've had two paracetamol, but if anyone has any more, just throw them up here. but I'm on the water, so it's going great. Now, screenwriting. <laughs> what do we know about screenwriting? <laughs> hmm. Uh, where do we start? Hmm. At the beginning, title page. The thing is, you need a good title page. Um, <laughs> that's where all scripts. It's the scripts, in my experience, live and die on the title page, uh, and a good title. Um, you know, it's, um, what are your favourite titles <laughs> for movies? Just throw them out there. Boy. Boy. <laughs> my, my film. Um, simple. It's just a three-letter word, boy. And it says it all, doesn't it? Uh, okay, page one. After the title page, you need to start at page one. and um, That's where all good scripts start. Um... And you need to start with uh, either interior or exterior. Um, so you also need to be good at typing. <laughs> now, you're either a fast typer or a slow typer. Um, I'm a fast typer, but I'm slow at ideas. So most of my scripts have taken, this is tr- the truth, probably about seven years between writing and getting made. Um, I've I first started, so we're segueing into actually the real talk now. Um, <laughs> I was, filmmaking was never really my dream. It wasn't my, it was like a, wasn't my top shelf dream. It was sort of like a lower level, bottom shelf dream. Um, I had other dreams that um, I didn't achieve. So, (laughs) disappointed, (laughs) very disappointed in that. But bittersweet because also now I'm rich. Uh, (laughs) so. (laughs) So sometimes you just gotta take one for the team and just, you know, you just gotta swallow that pill and, and, and get a career in film. So, yeah, you just gotta do that. Um, I started off as, a, as an illustrator and painter, and my, my background is visual arts. Um, it's hot in here. And uh, so, yeah, so that was my, my dad was a painter. Um, he, um, he was a painter and a farmer. My mother was a school teacher. And for punishment, she would make me um, analyse poems, and uh, like William Blake poems. She'd say, "You've been bad. Now I want you to write an essay on this William Blake poem, bitch." And so, um, (laughs) so I used to have to do that. So I was really—I wasn't ever um, forced or um, encouraged to do things outside of the arts because both my parents were into the arts and they wanted me to do that. So. So I was um, I was encouraged to pursue that, and I'm very thankful for that. Uh, so yeah, so most of my life was spent doing music and drama and and art and um, and eventually in my late twenties, I decided to um, to write that short film, um, which is actually better than that uh, <laughs> when you can hear the dialogue. But um, that was something that I, I was I was already writing a lot of comedy and doing stand-up and a lot of um, or sketches and plays and stuff with my friends, because uh, no one would hire us to, to do, like, the labute plays and shit. Um, so, like, we would be forced to make our own stuff up and make our own props and 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 be more inventive with how we try to tell our stories. And at the time, in New Zealand, there wasn't a lot of comedy going on. Well, a lot of the comedy was very, um, it, was, it, was, it was pretty boring and it was, I think a friend of mine, went to pitch a TV show at TVNZ, and they said, can't you just make it more like Friends? And, which is basically what we did. We would just like, what's America making? And then we'd copy that. And so that was like the extent of what we were doing in comedy on TV. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so we just basically tried to, um, to swim against that tide, and we just did these strange sketches and weird things. It's just Jermaine and Brett and I and a few other people um, and and so we kind of created our own style of comedy, I guess, or our own style of, of storytelling, our own style of writing, and and eventually people ended up liking it. And then in my late twenties, I started writing films, just because I had not tried it before. And I wrote that. I actually wrote that as a play, um, for, sort of like for myself and maybe a couple of friends to play these kids, and like a one act play and. I sent that script to a friend of mine who was a producer, a film producer, and she suggested that we turn it into a short film. And then we did that, and um, and then that got nominated for an Oscar, and then uh, lost. And <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's another failure in my life. Um, just just lots of disappointments, really, one after the other. And so that, but then what, I, what? The good thing was I got encouraged to, to keep. Writing more and to keep trying to experiment and and follow this path and um, and that's and then I did a few more short films and um, some were made, a lot weren't, and then eventually I got to go to the Sundance Labs with my first feature script, which was for Eagle vs Shark, and that sort of changed everything for me when I realised oh, that that screenwriting could be that writing films or telling stories could be so much bigger than than what I originally had thought it could be, which you know, New Zealand our cinema t- at the time was basically as Sam Neill um, coined the phrase, the cinema of the unease, which is basically depressing, it's raining all the time, and someone definitely dies, <laughs> and there's definitely a ghost. Um, <laughs> and, so, uh, and and yeah, so so. I came. I sort of, we all kind of came through at a time when, um, when I think the, the film industry in New Zealand needed a break from that, or just needed to go in a new direction. And so I was very lucky to kind of, sort of just catch that little wave. It was a very little wave. Um, and and then yeah, made my first my first feature, and then got getting encouraged to make more and more and more. And so I really fell in love with film. Sort of like an arranged marriage, really. Just sort of fell in love with it because I was encouraged to, and now I'm definitely in love. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and yeah, but so it's, but but I was never someone who was like an eight-year-old running around with a camera, you know, dreaming of making films like you know Spielberg and those guys. So it was. But I'm I'm actually glad that I spent you know 28 years getting experiences in other in other areas and, and doing many other jobs and doing shitty jobs and doing you know like diving for seaweed as a job and definitely hospitality and yeah just all sorts of things just to get by but I think there's a lot of experiences in that that, that I've always drawn on which has helped me a lot in my writing. Um, so whenever people say, oh it's a shitty job I just want to like make my first feature by the time I'm 21. If you are a certain type of person, great. But for me, I think if I'd made a feature at 21, it would have been terrible, and I wouldn't be here. Um, So I'm really thankful that I I had that time, that lead up of about 28 years, to get experiences, which I still draw on today. Uh, The end. Bye. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Let's begin with um, kind of thematics and looking, going on from two cars one night a film um, that seems deeply personal and about childhood, and perhaps a childhood that is reflective of your own experience. Is that true, fair to say? Yeah,
2: for sure. So that film is set in um, outside a pub that I used to sit outside when I was a kid in, in, in cars. And um, and I'd never really seen anything. like. That. All of our short films in New Zealand um, up until then were... They always had a punchline, so it was always like, um, oh, it's the same guy, but it's a different day. And it's like, oh, it's like Groundhog Day. But it's like, you know, so eight minutes of time, what's going on? Oh, I get it. I get it, he's a time traveler. So, so, but for me, I wanted to do something that felt like part of a bigger thing, and it was more (laughs) of a snapshot, um, and just something that felt a little, more poetic and didn't have a punchline at all. There's no punchline in that. Just
1: there's a set of melancholy boring. as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: which... Yeah, but, yeah. A, but that also I think that, that set the tone for a lot of the things that I've, I've made, which is a mixture of, of melancholy and comedy. And, and it's. I don't think you can ever say my films are straight-up comedies, because... Yeah. You know, my, my films are comedies with lots of slow bits where there's no laughs, yeah. or they're dramas, yeah, which are too funny.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> comedies. <laughs> Tragic comedies.
1: Tragic um, comedies. We'll skip ahead, if we can, to boy. Um, just because I think the, the theme of childhood, um, from Two Cards One Night, Boy, and then Hunt for the Older People, is something that you explore so well. You write children really well. Um, I don't like kids. <laughs> Your own? I like my own. Yeah, okay. um, but you, they're nuanced and they're fallible and they're the way that kids are. Um, where has kind of that exploration of childhood come from? Why is that a constant thread?
2: I think because um, when I was a kid, I spent a lot of time by myself or with you know, m- my friends and not a lot of time um, with grown ups. Or I'd say that the grown ups around us were very unreliable. And so, they, and so I learned early on that you can't really trust them. You can't trust grown-ups, really. Um, you know, I think I'm trustworthy. But but, but back then, when I was growing up, you really just sort of had to make do with what you had and and make your own fun and make your own dinner and like, <laughs> basically survive and, and keep yourself alive. And so we all, my family and I, and, and the, all the kids I grew up with, we all grew up, so. Boy is set in the house that I grew up in, and um, a lot of my family is in the film. And two cars is a kind of, sort of, yeah, it's sort of like a precursor to that film. And that, you know, that's it's very um, specific to how I grew up. And um, and that, and I, and I, I never like have, like, lamented that or felt like, oh, I, you know, I need some sort of pity or that that these films are an exorcism of of like my trauma but um i think that there's a lot of funny parts to that and so that's why so boy essentially is a comedy about child neglect and um and but i then there's something that like you guys get it here in america they were very uncomfortable with that film because they just did not like the idea that that parents could be that useless and um and so yeah, but I in uh, New Zealand we find that kind of stuff really funny. And I'm sure you guys do as well. Um, so, uh, <laughs> let's
1: take a but look, Let's actually take it. Yeah, look. yeah,
2: who finds child abuse funny?
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: so so yeah, so but um but yeah, so, when, so growing up, you know, we you know, we basically controlled our own worlds, and I think that's why I've always been drawn to that, drawn to the idea of like seeing this world that us shitty grown-ups are creating through the lens of someone who's more innocent and who is actually probably more wise and has a little bit more um, perspective, like a better perspective on things than than we do. Because, and, then, and same with acting. Like I think that you know, child actors, especially if they're untrained, are infinitely better than than grown-up actors because they they don't process shit and they don't go, oh god, what's my backstory? Oh, was I? Oh well, when I was abused, this my character was abused this morning. Do I have to take that with me? They just want to say the lines, and then eat the free food, and so so it's very like pure. So they're not, you know, they're not clouded with all this sort of crap that we carry along when we're trying to act, which is like, what's my motivation in this scene? Which I I think is sort of stupid, really.
1: But and you write that purity really well, um, especially in Boy, in the sense that his imagined world, his imagined world of where his father is and who he's been is something kind of that's another layer that's added kind of within your writing of it. Um, in terms of the writing of something like a boy because there are kind of his his is a principal's perspective but we do go to other perspectives. How do you what's your process in terms of sitting down and doing it? Is it visual? Is it just at a desk on your own?
2: Well or a lot of it comes from like especially with those films, comes from um, just trying to Trying to capture things that I remember doing when I was a kid, and and so it's so part of boy is this kid who he, he he fantasizes that his dad is Michael Jackson, and um and that he's like off you know doing all these amazing things over overseas, and and that's exactly how we used to talk. It was like you know when our parents went around or our de- our dads went around, we'd say like I remember saying that my my dad like he was like this deep sea like exploration diver. It was like off on some like rig in the Indian Ocean and stuff, and so but we were like, and we all knew we were lying, you know. We were like lying in bed and, and saying these ridiculous, uh, making up these ridiculous tales about our, our parents. But there was something kind of cool that we were trying to top each other with these imaginative like um, excuses of why our parents went around. And so, and so I really loved that idea of just you know we thought that Bob Marley was from a tribe down the road. from, <laughs> Dustin, uh, like we, like we, I really did think that, um, and. So, yeah, so, so the, the, it's all t- tapping into that kind of thing, you know, where the imagination actually is stronger um, than, than reality, and mm-hmm. it can actually e- eclipse reality in, in a lot of ways.
1: Michelle, Because boy is so personal, perhaps based on people that you know and part of your childhood, um, do you ever feel a responsibility in terms of what people's perception may be of those communities?
2: No. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I and and I've had people and usually yeah. white people say so, <laughs> so, like Oh, you know, uh you know you really didn't paint yeah, the Māori community in a good light in that movie. And I'm like, bitch, boo. <laughs> right, that is and then some people say it, like in yeah, some of the review like one review we got which was um Saying that it was like the sort of saying the same thing, and then saying that the film wasn't culturally specific enough, and that basically what they're saying is that there weren't enough people riding whales and shit in the film. <laughs> so, you know, that it was like there weren't enough ghosts and people were like talking to trees and spirits and shit. And so, um, but yeah, I don't feel that. Resp- I feel the responsibility to my community and to the Māori community just in terms of wanting to inspire people to get to do other jobs or to do what I'm doing or, you know, and, and and I think I've succeeded in that in that respect because um, there are now a lot of a lot of youth who want to get into filmmaking or storytelling mm. which is yeah, you know we're, we're an oral culture so you know but most of our I mean all of our history has been passed down through story and through through song and through dance and through just telling stories which is where you get where myth comes from and where Yeah, the retelling of a simple story just gets more and more outlandish, and like, you know, which is where Maui, all the exploits of Maui comes from, which is, you know, he was probably a dude who, you know, cut down a tree, you know, with like a tiny little rock once, and then that story just went into like fishing up islands and slowing the sun in like over over a thousand years. So, but I I think that's really great because there's no real, I mean, what is the truth in history? You know, I mean, I and mean, we still can't really rely on books because it's still one person's um, telling of history. So, you know, what's the difference between a book and stories that are passed down from generation to generation just through songs or, you know, or through a verbal a verbal telling? Um, so, yeah, so my responsibility really is, I, I see is to encourage young people in, in our community to, to um, to embrace storytelling again, which is, I think, one of our strengths. but yeah. something that we've, that's been lost over the years because we've been encouraged to to do other things. And, you know, in, in my town when I was growing up, there were only two jobs, really. It, there was like either driving, uh, working in the forestry, forestry, or driving a truck that took the wood out of the forestry. So that was it, or, you know, or, or, or maybe working on the water fishing yeah. um, or growing dope. And so that was, like, so there was, we want know which one pays the best. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, that, so those were the options. And if you were to say, as a kid, I mean, no one would, because i have never heard it, like, oh, and we're a filmmaker. Mm. So you, you would never have heard that. Um, but now, you hear it all the time. And not just because of me, but because of a lot of other, it's like, my friends and peers, Maori filmmakers, who are doing similar things to me. Um.
1: Okay. Talk I've got a microphone a right here, so
2: i mic like, it's like burpee thing, going on. <laughs> and then you hear that. Hangover. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All part of the my gift to you. Thank you.
1: <laughs> um, well, st- <laughs> sticking with childhood, and Hunt for the Wild People um, broke box office records in New Zealand. Um,
2: yes, made. Yeah. 50,000, it made a lot of money, and you know, you you, you guys pound isn't worth that much anymore, Um, you get too snobby about it. Um,
1: But your first adaptation?
2: Hunt for the World of People.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and what was it from having your own voice and being so distinctive in your voice and that, again, being different in every project you've done, but then adapting someone else's work, um, how did it come out?
2: Um, I was approached to adapt this book by a writer called Barry Crump, who um, is very famous in New Zealand. And And the book is not really that much like the film. It's The film, it's, the book's not funny. Um, and I had, um, added a lot, of, a lot more characters and tried to make it sort of my own thing. But I wrote the first draft in 2005. And it was back then when I thought I was like this... That was
1: straight after Two Cars, One Night.
2: So it was before I'd made anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, before I mean after the short yeah. films, yeah. But before I'd, I'd shot my first feature. And I wrote that and, um, and yeah, I... Uh, you know, I was like very much into being a very kind of, you know, I wanted to... I was wanting to make, make like, Korean cinema and, like, sort of, you know, like be like von Trier and stuff, but you know, dark and depressing New Zealand films. And so in that version of the script, there were basically no jokes. Sam Neill's character dies at the end. Uh, he gets shot to death by the cops. <laughs> <laughs> and like, the kid goes back into foster care, and that's how it ends. Oh, he didn't go back into foster care. He starts living on the streets. <laughs> <laughs> that's how the film ended. This is him living in a park. A 12-year-old. Yeah. W'rong with me? So I like so. So then I put that aside, and I went and made a few other films, and then kind of got a taste for like what my style is, or like you know what I, the kind of stories I wanted to tell. And then you know, and, and over the years I realized it's okay to put ridiculous shit in movies, and it's like, like the world needs stupid stuff, you know. And always, you know, you need heart and stuff, but you need jokes. Like you need, the world needs to laugh. And so, and also, I just don't. I just couldn't really. See myself making super depressing, like mm. horrible movies, <laughs> can, can movies. Um, <laughs> uh, so if yeah. I wanted like any of my films to go to Cannes, if I wanted hunt for the World of People to go to Cannes, everyone would have been dead <laughs> and <laughs> prostitutes. So. Uh, there is that thing so that
1: with comedy. Did you think that um, you know drama is something that is you know, revered by festivals or? You know, sometimes worldwide, but comedy is. Uh, I know it's so dumb. Mm.
2: it's comedy be so much harder mm. to do, and especially and
1: when it's when it's something tragic.
2: Yeah, in a drama, like, if yeah. like if if no one laughs, that's good. Mm. <laughs> you know, in a comedy, if no one laughs, then, then you're dead. So like that's so. In a drama, it's like you, you can't. You it's I consider it to be a little easier <laughs> because it's just. Say the words and don't make me laugh. <laughs> That's your job as an actor in a drama. Just don't make anyone crack up. So, but in, in the comedy, it's, it's infinitely harder to, to just also sort of shape it and to keep the laughter going and then to know how to look, balance the flow of it. And, and, you know, and then, you know, are there too many, like, and what we do in the shadows. Um, we did cuts where it was like we had to concentrate on the story, and at the expense of a lot of the jokes. And then we did another cut where it was all jokes and not much story. And neither of them worked. Um, the one that was full of jokes, no one cared about the characters, and they were like on their phone. They were like, That's funny, it's always funny, but I don't care about anyone. I'm just on my phone." And I look, they so are looking and, and the drama, and I mean, the, the story version was just boring.
1: How do you test those things though? Do you, we just, just test them with friends. Do right? right, yeah. yeah. so you have a trusted group of people that...
2: yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're usually just, just people that you've met anywhere. Like, I just. <laughs> well, you, yeah. start, you start running out of people. Yeah. So, like, one, one of the last test screens we did of what we do in the shadows was at my house with one person. And <laughs> that was the la- basically our last friend, and he's in the movie. And <laughs> so it was like me, Jermaine, and him in my lounge room. And just Jermaine and I just looking at him. Like,
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> He's not laughing. Um, and so you do run out of it, But we always test. I'm always testing my films. And, just to, and, it's just, and sometimes you don't even need to ask them questions afterwards. Sometimes it's just being in a room with some other people. Like and what I do is I watch my films, and as soon as I make a note of the time of when I feel embarrassed, <laughs> and then that's my notes. I'm like, mm-mm, mm-mm. At one hour, I felt pretty shitty, yeah. and, like I really wanted to disappear into a corner, and then I'd know to go and have a look at that section.
1: What we did in the shadows, so you co-wrote that with Jermaine Clements. Yeah. Um, what are the differences in co-writing? How does it work? How do you write with him? Um, what's the process? um
2: it's just slower.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Well, <laughs> Wilder People took 10 years. Uh, this one took, no, this, we came up with the idea in 2005. and We shot it in two thousand two thousand and five. A lot of happened in
1: 2005. Yeah. <laughs> oh, of the a good year.
2: I'm um, uh, really, well, want to get, I've started, so I want to get, <laughs> you, know, you, you know, when you start with these things, yeah, you've got it, you've just got to do it. Um, I just, I wouldn't be able to sit here for the rest of the afternoon knowing that they weren't all taken out. Um, <laughs>
1: So, a slow process. Hang, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm rushing the process, N- yeah.
2: sorry. No, no, we've got <laughs> plenty of time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> mm,
2: yeah, nearly done. Oh, this feels so good. Satisfying. Last little bit. Okay, good. Yes. Okay. Didn't, did, didn't need an applause, but uh, I accept that uh, there's a little triumph for me today. <laughs> Put that in the coffee cup. So uh, what
0: was the question? We're talking about <laughs> the script. Yeah. yeah. So
2: Jermaine and I came up with the idea in 2005, and we are—I think we write together well, but we—it's mm. excruciatingly slow. So we, we spent maybe six or seven years writing that, and um, I don't even know why, because we didn't even show it to the cast. We didn't show the script to anyone other than the, the, the HODs, and we, because we improvised the whole, basically the whole film. We knew, like, going into a scene, what we wanted to do, and so we'd get the the cast in, and then we'd say, okay, so in this scene, so like one example, like Stu came in one day and we said, oh, Stu, just lie down here in the grass, and we just started pouring blood all over him, and he was like, uh, is my character dead? (laughs) And so we didn't tell anyone really what was happening to their characters, um, just because we wanted it to feel, really feel like a documentary. So people would say, here's the goal from you know, from the beginning of the scene to the end of the scene, you, know, you have to get this achieved. You have to, you know, here's your mission: is to get this, convince this person to do this, or, you know, murder this person or something. And so, um, which was good. So every take was very different. And at the end of the filming, we had about 150 hours of footage that we had to get down to about 90 minutes. So it took 14 months to edit. So we were going through everything, and every take was completely different. And so we built, um, we built the interior of the house and we pre-lit everything so that the ca- we could go into any room we wanted. And we had three cameras running all the time, sometimes we'd say, okay, we'll just stick with this character, and halfway through the scene, and the, most of the scenes were like 10 minute takes, 15 minute takes, and um, so yeah, halfway through a scene, maybe a character would go, ah, fuck this, I'm out of here, and walk, and then the character would, I mean, the camera would follow them into their bedroom and just sit with them for a bit as they were like, sitting there fuming about something, and then they'd come back, and, and so, and so yeah, so everything was very different, and there was a very different style of mm. of st- different style of writing as well. Where we we would Jermaine and I were in New York for about six months, and we would meet up every day at about two p.m. at this cafe, and have some avocado and toast, and then write like two sentences <laughs> and, uh, over three <laughs> hours, and then we'd go, look at. We would just sit there in silence. This is how we write: sit there in silence, and then Jermaine go. Mm. What if students are the werewolf? Um, mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, I'm gonna go to dinner. See you later. And then we're just like that was it, or we're gonna send each other an email, and it'd be like one sentence. Like, I was thinking maybe, uh, yeah, maybe they um, yeah they go flying with Nick. Okay. Cool. Right. <laughs> and that was it. So it was r- really long. Um, I, would, I don't recommend. That.
1: In terms of getting it funded, then, the, if you didn't have a kind of physical completed script when you were shooting, is that correct? We had a or we had a script. Had we had a good work, script. Yeah. The script
2: was actually pretty good, but we, did, we, didn't, we just didn't show it to any
1: <laughs> to, to I
2: mean, we, that we, had the, we shot. I mean, we basically we shot the script, but we would turn everyone else would have sides and they'd have a version that they just wouldn't show the actors. Yeah. The actors just weren't allowed to see stuff.
1: And it was funded by the New Zealand Film.
2: Uh, they gave us a little bit of money, and but it was also pro- we had private funding, private, which means I can't tell you where it came from. Yeah, they want to remain private. <laughs> um, yeah, but it was really fun. It was a great way of shooting, and um, and you know, there's like a. Uh, I think a lot of people could, don't consider um, improvising to be part of the writing process, but I re- I do think it is. Like I think when you if you're coming up with stuff yeah. and it's adding to the character or it's changing the story in some way, then um, I do think that that's, that's writing, even though the actors don't get a credit for that.
1: And that's now, so that's now developed into a TV, uh, the TV show? TV spin-off, yeah. yeah.
2: Two TV spin-offs. Um, yeah. Yeah,
1: right. not just one.
2: Two yeah, uh, one that follows the two cops, yeah. and that's sort of like a boring X-Files. Um. LAUGHTER set in New Zealand with the two cops investigating paranormal events around Wellington. Yeah, Going <laughs> to season two, I mean, how long can you stretch that idea out for? <laughs> and then the other one is a spin-off of Shadows, which is set in America with, um, uh, with new vampires. But it's in the same like universe where our characters would be in New Zealand at the same time. It's a different documentary crew. Following these guys around, and now characters have you know, may or may not come in to, to you know to some of these episodes as well. Um, that yeah yeah Matt Berry, Matt Berry's in that Natasha um, Demetria.
1: Is there more pressure on that then in terms of kind of you know script, or is it still is it still you and Jermaine or are you doing writing? Uh, I didn't really r-
2: do any writing on that because I was doing some other stuff. Um, but but yeah it's pretty similar. jermaine has been doing most of the writing with another with a writing team um, and I'm just going to go and do direct some of them.
1: I'm going to open it up to the audience right oh okay we've got hands already. okay um, we have the microphone in the fourth row here
3: um, Just a couple of questions one first like thank you, but it's impossible. not a question <laughs> <laughs> um it's impossible to find any of your scripts online, um, I've searched for like all of them, and it's nearly impossible to download them. The closest thing that I came to was an auction of one of your scripts in New Zealand, an actual printed copy. There's one
2: copy of all the scripts, a p- paper. Is <laughs> so it the New like Zealand government has. T- will <laughs> there?
3: Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, yeah. No. Would there ever be available, or is there? I'm sure they are. I
2: feel no. They're not. No, it's that's quite odd. It's quite well, tricky. It Give
3: me an email. I'll just email. Well, that one's kind of <laughs> like yeah, I wanted. <laughs> I feel like people—they should be available. I, Hunt I for the Wilder people, people, because one thing that it was really beautiful was that Bella is hardly in the film, but it's like her presence is just so strong throughout, and she influences everything. And it's something that I wanted to see in the script. But obviously, I've not not been able
2: to. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's script, gr- the Hunt for the Wilder People, this this uh, I didn't really um, diverge much from that script because it was a very short shoot and. We really, because we were shooting outside and this limited day, we were shooting in winter as well, so it was like short days and really harsh conditions, and um, so there wasn't a lot of time to just improvise or to kind of go off, off script, so I stuck to that script quite, um, yeah, quite strictly. Can they be found online? Can they be found online? That's, that is a good question. I don't know. I don't know. I thought that they would be all online. I don't. And I and, um, and apologise if they're not. <laughs>
3: Hiya. Um, I'd be really keen to know how you... Because you have a, a brilliantly specific vision, and I'd love to know how you stay true... When you, you talked about the different versions of World of People, the really dark one and the one you ended up with, how you tra- stay true... To your vision when that script's out to market, because I remember meeting Carthew pitching Wilder people like three years before you made it. How do you hold on to it when financiers might be trying to pull it in all sorts of different directions?
2: Um, I think because we'll, we, we don't ask for much money in New Zealand, so <laughs> it's not it's not like they're like oh yeah, well if Tom Cruise was playing the kid, yeah, going give you your three million dollars. So uh, how do
3: you deal with that pressure then ratcheting up when you're on Ragnarok? What, where's well, that? that
2: was very different because it's you know that was not I was like just pulled in to do that and that was not my you know it wasn't my idea or my yeah my IP or anything so um, but it with all really my got
1: your voice though through it it's definitely, oh, it definitely has got yeah. like literally got <laughs> <laughs> um
2: but yeah that how
1: did
0: you I was
2: that? very lucky with that because I was I was yeah. Yeah, obviously nervous about working with a studio. Um, in general, but they the, I mean I did two pictures with them, and the pictures were really like one of them was just to kind of like, give a tonal idea of what I wanted to do, and that I made this little reel of just basically ripping clips from lots and lots of movies that looked exciting <laughs> and put, and then put immigrant song over the top of it and <laughs> That seemed to work, and then they, even in the pitch, they're like, "Oh, this is a cool song. Who's this?" I'm like, oh, what?" <laughs> uh, and then, and then they basically brought the song, and knowing that they wanted to use it somehow in the film. Um, but the but pitching, I think, is ju- is really just it's less about your idea and and more about sussing each other out and can, you know, and, f- and figuring out if you can bear to work with each other for two years and I found them really lovely people and so, and so I ended up kind of just subtly pushing my voice and tone and stuff into the film from the beginning but they wouldn't have hired me unless they More had either. seen those other films and had known that somehow that tone was going to end up in there.
1: Hi, um, I suppose it's kind of similar but I'm kind of at the start of my career and I guess I was interested in like structurally a lot of the decision makers of what I So when you're trying to explore themes that are culturally to do with your heritage, and largely the gays might, you know, have a certain perception of how it should be, have you ever had to kind of deal with managing kind of, I suppose, notes and feedback? Because I think it's about trying to stay true and have integrity in what you make, but then when people who've got certain power um, kind of instill their beliefs in a way that you just don't agree with, but they're calling the shots to some degree. I, I'm really curious how you kind of navigate that, because I think I'm, I'm yet to, I've started to experience it in some ways, but I'm mm-hmm. sure it's just the beginning, so. Well, yeah.
2: One good trick is to, um, is to put something in the script that's so, you know is gonna trigger them <laughs> and like, is gonna distract them so much <laughs> that they've kind of like, uh, they don't notice the, your, t- you know, your things that you really want to be in the script. Or well, other times you just like save it till the very last, you know. So sometimes, what I would do is know that I was going to have a certain joke or a certain moment or a certain scene, and then wait until it got financed, and then put it in like the day before Tactical, shooting. like it. Yeah, you know, you got to be. You got it's all tactics. And so, um, and then you know, other times you'd be like you'd go, and then um, yeah, and then like Ricky's walking along, and then he falls through it down a through a trapdoor and then goes slides down through the earth into like a fantastical land full of dragons and stuff. And they're like, oh, I don't know about this dragon thing. But meanwhile, you know, you've, on either side of that, you have put in these like, the things that you really want in the movie. Um, so yeah, so that, I think that works sometimes. But also, it's, uh, I think the, the, it, it gets easier the more, uh, obviously, the more that you do and the, you know, like, they don't fuck with me anymore. <laughs> they were like, well, also, I haven't worked with the Film Commission for a long time, mm-hmm. and they were always pretty respectful of my stuff. I think just because they didn't really know what I was really trying to do, and they were like, yeah, let's see what happens. And because all my films did well in New Zealand, they, you know, the more and more that that happened, they like kind of just went, okay, you can just do another film, I guess. Um, but, but, in the, uh, but when I was starting off, I could have easily just taken all the notes and just listen to them. And one thing, I lo- and I love the way that we finance films in New Zealand, but one thing, one of the problems we've always had in development is being that the, um, the, the development staff come in and they only have like a two year, two or three year tenure. So they, so by the time you've like done all the notes and you've developed the script for two years, then new people come in and then they read the script and they go, like, oh, this like, go back to the first draft. And then so you start the development. So I know people who have gone through development at the Film Commission years ago, like in the early 2000s, who had been developing scripts for like eight years with them and just going out of their minds because they were just you know, putting all of their eggs into that basket. And I, my development process is I just develop stuff with myself. So I write my scripts without asking for any finance for writing. I just do it for myself and get it to the best place that I can imagine the film being and then go in and say, it's not gonna get any better than this, yes or no. Um, instead of, here's a rough first draft, what do you think, Well, here's a synopsis. Because then, if you're going in a synopsis stage, I think it's like that's pretty dangerous, because then that gives them all the opportunity in the world to give you notes and to change everything. Whereas if you spend two years writing a script by yourself, in your spare time, which is what I did, I was working and then writing, then go in with something that's really solid, then it doesn't give them much opportunity to. To to mess it up, but it's also yeah, it's the real world, so I understand it's like you know, it's hard to work and also write something and and spend all that time.
1: Would you ever let anyone direct something that you've written?
2: Um, I've thought about it, and I don't, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm emotionally um, stable enough (laughs) to (laughs) let that happen. I'm already (laughs) shoulders hurting. Just a
1: little suggestion microphone
3: there hey uh how does your work as a script writer uh, affect you when you're working on something like Thor or the Mandalorian where you know you're coming in as a director for hire but obviously you know you write and you write well so how does that affect
2: um uh it was challenging for me on Thor it was challenging because um again like I wanted to control all of those elements and and having a script come in that you know was not in my style, it was a good script, but it wasn't my style, so I found that hard. But I, I, I always get to um, to do passes on scripts, so that was built into my contract on Thor, was so I could get do a part like a story pass and dialogue pass and stuff and change a lot of things. And so, uh, for instance, like Korg was that character, I basically like. a they said, "Oh, they've got this rock character. And they would maybe put him in for one scene." I was like, "Yeah, yeah, sounds good, sounds good. Uh, maybe I could play that character." They're like, "Yeah, sure, sure." And then like, I did my pass on the script. <laughs> 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 and like, they're like, "Okay." this characters uh, in this movie quite a lot. And, uh, <laughs> so yeah, but then, but then something like Mandalorian, which I'm really just mm. directing on that, and um, I, and that's actually quite nice for me just because if it's a good script, then I feel like. That so I can concentrate more on the directing instead of freaking out every day and like changing, like, <laughs> writing on set and going okay say this say that and I just can just concentrate on, on what it looks like.
1: Um, hi Taika, um, I, hi. I'm over here. Hi. Hello. Um, I remember reading somewhere that you were really inspired by Akira when you were younger watching it. Is there anything that you watched when you were young? Anything else you watched when you were younger or even more recently that you felt really inspired by?
2: Um, yeah, the films have inspired a lot of my stuff. You can see it because I've ripped them off in every, every single movie. Badlands, um, The Graduate, um, now and then Days of Heaven, just only if the sun's in the right place. <laughs> 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 and then, well, uh,
1: Is there anything recently that you wish you'd written?
2: I wish I'd written. Mm. Um, I really loved um, Death of Stalin. Mm. So that was great writing. Um, if it was written, who knows? Um, but, yeah, no, I, I, I love all his stuff, and I, I think... It's like, there, there was just, like, the dialogue's just smart. And, and then also, um, I thought Get Out was, like, brilliant, and I thought that just in terms of writing, it was, like, really yep. just streamlined and perfect. Yes? Oh, one... Oh, right
1: here, sorry.
3: Oh, um, <laughs> for the next generation of New Zealand filmmakers, uh, have you got any advice in general, or do you think Get that it out. needs to go in any? <laughs> do you think it needs to go in any direction, or just any advice?
2: Um, I think it's going to evolve into a different. Like I don't think my. I don't, I'm not sure. Like there would, there's. I don't, know, I don't. I don't think like. I can't. will make films like my films because there's, there's only. I think this. You know, there's, You can only handle two. Two. Uh, a certain amount of. Mm. The style, um, but, you know, because the yeah. So I'd say like there's there are different like there are different directions that New Zealand film is going to head, and I can't really predict where, where that is. I know that everyone's trying to make horrors at the moment, and, and that's like a big thing, which I don't mind. I just I don't really know how I would be able to make a horror, which um, wouldn't be scary. <laughs> and but I think th- advice for for any young filmmaker, and even in New Zealand, is just um, my thing is, like, yeah, it's, it's basically stick to a vision. You stick to your vision, and, and I'm always very wary about giving advice because um, I was told I was I was dictated to a lot when I first started by the older generation of filmmakers, and now I realise I shouldn't have listened to them in the first with <laughs> my first short films and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like I the two kinds of a night. There's edits and that which I instinctively knew I wanted to do a certain thing in in the film but I was convinced by by people who had more experience not to do them and to do to edit things in a certain way and then only like a year or two later I like, realized like damn I was right shouldn't I shouldn't have listened to them and so and then I so and that was that like, was a big lesson for me and I started just deciding to stick to what I instinctively wanted and 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 to really just Question: Because it's just someone's opinion, and it doesn't matter what their experience is. It's it's you you've got to sort of filter it, really. You know, take some experience if it really makes sense. Take some advice if it really makes sense. But also listen to yourself. Like, you're not gonna. That's why I think like if my films fail, it's because of me, not because you know I, I can't. I'm yeah. I, I like having the excuse that if something I do is a failure, it's 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 all my fault. Instead of I just I don't want to have. The excuse of yeah, but he told me that no, I should do that because you know cause that's not that's just being weak and you know and not sticking to your guns.
1: Do you think we're doing something then like Thor, and you know having that kind of 180 million dollars, and then obviously you were probably getting offered and doing things there of maybe not of that scale, but so is there? Can your voice? Could your voice get lost?
2: Oh, I can definitely get lost, mm. but that's also the. Th- you know, I knew going to Thor that my strength was not action movies or superhero movies. My strength was tone and character and dialogue, and moments. And so, I just concentrated on that stuff, on my strengths, knowing that this was the 17th movie in a run that had had you know eight, 17 consecutive box office hits. So I thought, okay, I you guys probably <laughs> yeah. know what you're doing in that department. I'll just try and inject this tone into the thing and um, but if I had tried to like come in and reinvent the genre or anything I would have been you know I fell on my ass pretty quick I think.
3: Oh, yeah. You're obviously a fan of Malick um, and improvisation like you said you were improvising a lot in the um, in vampire movie um, is that something you think good practice as a writer is to get behind the camera and actually start making shorts, whether you've got a, a desire to become a director, or actually just to get behind the camera and, and make shorts, because I've, I've started doing that myself just mm. to kind of prove that it works on screen, because you get people read your script and they say, well, doesn't work on screen, and is, do you think that's good practice just in general to get behind the camera and, and get yeah. noticed that way? And
2: Yeah, yeah, I do. I think it's important for it to know all, the, all the departments, even though I don't even... I only learned what a techno crane was, you know, like last year, yeah. but... <laughs> But like, it's important to know as much as possible all of the departments and how everything works, but also, yeah, to figure out how... I could think a lot of actors don't understand what goes into making... If they, they're there for the moment, and they go like, yeah, but how do I look cool? And uh, that's their thing. Whereas they don't really understand, like, if you want them to say a certain thing or a certain way, they, that it fits into this giant puzzle that they're not aware of. Um, and so when. So for me, coming from acting into filmmaking and putting together a short film, I started realizing, oh yeah, this is like, this is a massive, like, um, Rubik's Cube, where you just, you know, there's so many things to think about. And then also then, you know, I've changed so much in, in terms of like, the kind of stories I wanted to tell, and I was very self-centered in the, in the, in the early days where I was just like, oh, just my vision, and my, you know, it's my story, and if the audience doesn't get it, well, they're just dumb. Like, but you, you just can't think like that. Like, that's not, I, I mean, some people can and get away with it, but you have to consider the audience. Like, that's, the, that's basically the first thing I consider now is what the audience experience is gonna be. And, you know, when is the audience's bladder at bursting point? You know, when are they sitting there going, "I oh, fuck, I just need to go to the toilet. I can't concentrate on the story anymore. But you have to think about that stuff and, like, when are they bored? When are they like? You might think just because you know this thing happened to you in your childhood that this is like everyone else in the world is going to love it. No one gives a shit about your childhood. <laughs> like they just want a good story. So I just, like sort of rethink the way I was approaching the story and just realize, yeah, there's good stories to be told, but also it's it's entertainment and it's you know you have to actually you're serving the audience. So you you know they are paying eighteen dollars nowadays probably you know for the right to come in and. Observe and criticise your work, and you can't get upset with them for if, you know if they don't like it. You've got to work your hardest to try and make something that you know is a gift to them and that they are satisfied with at the end.
1: Ah yeah, um,
0: basically all the questions I was planning on asking you've already answered them. Um, so I'm just going to go to my backup question, which is. I've noticed that you kind of use the same actors um, recurrently in all your films. And is that to do with the fact that you're very inspired by, obviously, your homeland, New Zealand, and you kind of want to incorporate that by just adding the same New Zealand actors throughout your films that you're making?
2: Yeah, and a lot of it is just from, from my theatre days. <laughs> just working in co-ops and stuff. and. Uh, uh, just yeah, working with your friends, and then you, you you develop a shorthand. Where I love working with with actors who I know well, because I can you can just get past all the bullshit and just say that was boring. <laughs> Do it again. <laughs> you know, like you you know instead of like mm, well uh, you know uh, you know let's just talk about wild I see what you're doing there, it was really great, but is there another way we can sort of get it? So, like, a, let's make it more of a dance. It's like, you just, you know, this so, uh, that was shitty, do it again, make it better,
0: <laughs>
2: and say it faster. That's it. And, like, because then the, so when you get past that, people are just like, oh, okay, great, yeah, I know. And, and, and then I encourage them to give me shit as well. Like, you know, I'll say it's, uh, and often my friends will be like, that's your direction, that's your big direction. <laughs> And so and are you
1: writing with them in mind as well? A lot of them, go? yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Um, but it's, it just makes my job easier, mm-hmm. and it's a lot faster for me as well to work instead of having to have conversations about, you know, it's the worst if you, an actor does like, you know, hundred takes when they want to, you know, and, and there's no diff- difference. Hi,
0: Hi. Um, you talked about. Uh, your background as a visual artist. I was wondering how that informs your screenwriting. Do you start with a really visual idea, or is it more character and dialogue-based, and does the, vision, like the visual uh, part... Yeah, of it's, a, it's
2: a mix. Uh, definitely visual. Um, I'd spend a lot of time making a playlist. <laughs> <laughs> Listening to a playlist when I write. Uh, but there, i have definitely done that and all my films, had songs in mind that I've written into the scripts, and often I can't afford them. So. <laughs> so it's a nice dream to have. But, um, yeah, so I'll do that, so it's a mixture of that, and then and then visually, like, a lot of, um, yeah, like, like images or photos or things, you know, like, I'll just see some really, like, yeah. I'll collect, like, a lot of images and just have, like, big folders of things I can just look at, and sometimes they're just really weird and don't really inspire anything. Other times, they just, they might just give you an idea of a setting or something, you know, but. Um, but for the most part, I try and watch watch films. But I try and watch old old films really to to give me ideas because I feel like I feel a bit too close to contemporary cinema to be like looking at things and then steal like not well you know yeah stealing. Um, you know I'd rather steal from something really old you know, it's harder for people to find out.
0: I, um, on a similar sort of note, I'm interested in your writing process. So when you go from having the first germ of an idea for something to writing your first draft, do you do you spend a lot of time sort of really digging into and thinking you really, really know your characters inside out before you start that first draft? And do you outline and do a treatment and know every scene? Or do you just kind of crack on with your first draft and then rewrite, rewrite, rewrite?
2: Yeah, I, I, I do the... Um lots of notes and beats and like try and figure out the story before typing because I, t- I find that typing is really horrible um, and just it just hurts um, your body and your mind To sit in front of a st- blank screen and oh, now what's next I-, I like to just have the whole plan out in front of me and know and basically how I write is I'll start with the beginning and the end just want to really like visually or like just something that like, I think it's like this would be a cool way to end a movie, and this would be a cool last image for an audience to see. This would be a cool first image, and this would be a cool way to open a film. And then I'll start, and then I'll put in some scenes throughout. I think this would be a great film, the scene. And then eventually, when I've got enough of these scenes or sequences, then, lazily, just glue them all together with some <laughs> sort of connecting scenes. <laughs> but that's it, really. That's sort of what I, that's my style, and when I know what it is, then I can write really fast. Mm-hmm. But if I'm just sitting there with like, if you would say, "Hey, write a, write a story about you know a soothsayer on a mission to find some um, some herbs in a fantasy land," and then I just had to look at a blank page, I would not. I'd be there for a year without typing anything, unless I sat down and like wrote it out and figured it all out before. Who's me? Up got the mic. There, and then there's a mic. Down oh, you can just yell it out. Yeah. Oh, you've got the mic, got so.
0: has got the mic. I'm coming cool. from Paris, so just for you, so it's, uh, it's my turn to speak. Yes. I'm a, I'm a <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Wendy from Twitter. I don't know if you remember. I sent you stuff, <laughs> so I um, have nothing to to you. But I just want to say that you are a daily inspiration, okay. and you are the best uh, role model I could uh, hope for. And my question is, uh, what were your um, inspiration for uh, Jojo Rabbit, except the book, uh, Cajun Skies? Uh, and, yeah. and so sorry, the I have a letter for you, uh, after, to give you. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs>
2: yes. Good. Uh, so Jojo Rabbit is a film, that just for those of you who don't know, it's a film that I've just shot, and I'm editing at the moment, it's set in World War II, and um, it's, it's <laughs> a, a, what do you call it? What did I say? It's not a comedy, it's a... Art comedy. No, it's an yeah. emotional comedy. What did we say it was? Smart
3: comedy. <laughs> a
1: dramedy. A dramedy. About
2: a little boy in the Hitler youth who's trying to be the best Nazi he can. And, um, and you're in it. And, um, and I'm in it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and you play. Hitler. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
2: and that's it. That's it. That. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> and they lose. Um,
1: <laughs> um, we're JoJo Rabbit, so... When did you start
2: writing? What uh, I started prequel, writing in yeah. 2011. Yeah. And then
1: shot this year. So basically,
2: all of my scripts have taken about f- over six years. And do
1: you write then? Does that one. mean that you're writing three or four on the go? Always? Well, I wrote
2: that, and then I went and made What We're Doing in the Shadows mm-hmm. and Will the People and Four, and then came back and shot this this year. But I actually, that's uh, the way I prefer to, to write. And this is my little. This is my little trick that none of you will want to do. Uh, I will write a draft and then I'll put it away for a year or so, and then, uh, or even two years, or even three years, and then I'll come back to it and I'll read it and I'll go, who wrote this shit? <laughs> and then I will read it like maybe two or three times and then I will throw that away and then rewrite it from page one based on the memory of, how I, of what I read and then my 120-page script will suddenly be 80 pages, um, and it'll just be the bare bones and just like the, the, yeah, the important parts or the mem- the things that I can rem- remember from reading the script. And so I think there's like, that's like a, quite a good filter system. And then when you have like this very sort of bare bones short version of your story, then you can add back in some tonal stuff and some yeah, more jokes and shit and stuff like that. But um, yeah, so that so it takes a long way longer than anyone wants to do. How many of those scripts do you have in the drawer? Like how many do you have? Or well, it's just I just put them in a, like on a, 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 chest. A, a little drive, and then put that somewhere. <laughs> oh, I don't want to throw it away,
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I, don't, I make sure I don't look at it again.
3: Yeah. Uh, hello, I, I travel all the way from Siberia to ask you this question. <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> But, um, no, a very serious one. Um, How many hours of actual typing can you do in a day? And do you also call procrastination important research? I don't.
2: I don't call it important research. Well, you know, who knows? I mean, I I, I end up... So, for instance, you know, so, oh, and then the character turns up in his Trans Am. I must look at Trans Ams, and then I'll spend three hours looking at Trans Ams, and then try and buy one, and then I think I need to own one okay. to know if the character should drive one, and then eventually I'll, then I'll say, what am I doing? What? He should just drive a Toyota, and then I'll get back into thing. But so it's it's useless for the script, but. It's good for me to know more about transamps, <laughs> <laughs> in case I ever need to talk about transamps. Uh, and so, so yeah, so so I do. I try my hardest to turn the internet to turn the internet off and when I'm writing. But I, for in terms of hours of, of typing, I try and spend hardly any hours typing. I really do. I do, I do have like a, that, like what do you call it here? Osh. RSI. I get that a bit when I'm tired, like I just don't like it. So I'd spend, i try and like, okay, now I know what I'm gonna write, and then I'll stop. But uh, maybe three hours a day?
1: Do you ever leave? Is it
2: lazy? Like, Is it? I don't know. I don't know what anyone else does.
1: Do you ever stop halfway through knowing what you're actually writing so you've got something to pick up on the next day?
2: Um, No. Sometimes I used to do this thing, um, a friend of mine came up with this really great system, which is um, when he was writing multiple things. So Sometimes I'm writing multiple scripts, Mm. which is, um, this is a good system. So you break up your workload into 20 minute breaks and you set a time for 20 minutes and at the end of that 20 minutes then you force yourself to move on to the next script Mm. and then after that 20 minutes you force yourself to move on to the next project. And so maybe you do it with three things. So every hour you're doing, working 20 minutes on three projects. Then what's good about it is you've only spent 40 minutes away from the original project. Mm. And so at the end of that 40 minutes, you still remember you, what ideas you left off. It. So it's not like, oh, I really need to finish this idea and give myself another 10 minutes. If you just force yourself to stop, you won't forget where you were and you'll go on to the next thing. And I, I found that mm. that's quite good if you're under pressure to write lots of stuff at the same time. Try it.
0: Hello. Um, sorry. Apologies if the, Oh, here. Hi. Um, apologies if this is a bit dull and specific. But when you're um acting on screen and when you're directing at the same time, how do you manage that? Do you storyboard it very precisely beforehand? Do you watch back every take, or do you sometimes say that felt right? Let's use it and hope there's no nasty surprises in the edit.
2: Yeah, that's the third one. Right.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. There's, uh, well, there's usually not enough time for me to watch stuff back, and also I don't like watching any of that stuff. But it's, Very cringy. It's cringy enough being in your own movie. I mean, that's just tacky. (laughs) (laughs) Then to have the audacity to like then watch yourself back in front of the crew and go like (laughs) (laughs) just watch it again. Everyone like no, no. It's embarrassing enough like putting yourself in your your own stuff. So um, are
0: you going to keep doing it though? Oh yeah. Yeah.
2: Oh yeah, I'm, I mean I love myself, I love, I think I'm uh, very, very good actor, um, but it's uh, yeah, almost left, um, so yeah, uh, it's, uh, but I learned to really um, tr- trust all the people around me, so, the, especially the DP um, and my first, and having people around who, who, f- who had permission to say that was terrible, you know, if I really felt mm. it, like, you know, and I, could, uh, and I can trust people to say that to me and not feel bad about it. Because uh, 80% of the time, it probably is bad. Because um, I'm not thinking, like, you know, like most actors have the time to just actually like, think s- solidly just about that thing. And whereas I, that's why I make sure that my characters aren't like, the main character or they're not, um, they don't carry the story dramatically so much. They're just like silly characters who I can get away with that.
1: Kevin Costner.
0: Oh, i thought there was one last question. Hi, so I'm here all the way from Sunny Brighton, um, which shows, I think, more dedication than coming from France. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so my question to you is, um, you mentioned the importance of shitty jobs and having just come from my shitty job this morning. I was wondering which of those experiences has most influenced your work and which has had the most lasting impact on you?
2: I mean, I mean, I've done so many dumb jobs. <laughs> but the, and not that, you know, it's, it's probably unfair to say they're dumb. They were all very rewarding in some ways, and definitely earning money was great. But um, I'd say, that like, hospitality was, for me, like, I think that's why so many actors do it as well. Like, it's, you're basically performing all day for people, and trying out different characters a lot of times. You know, you go to different tables and try different, you know, you put on a stupid voice, or you try and entertain them, or you'd be grumpy and you'd be pissed off and you'd just be an asshole at some tables. And so then you'll be also like meeting different characters at all these tables. It it taught me a lot about observing people and and listening to conversations and stealing. That's the other big thing I do, steal people's conversations. Um, And if you don't know them, that's even better. They can't find out that you stole it. Like yeah, that's why over here I like listening to people, and, you know, like, listening to arguments and cafes and stuff, and just observing body language in restaurants is amazing. Like yeah, you, you know, you've all done it. You'll sit there and you're like, look over at these tables. and It's like, oh, this is it a first date? Are they breaking up? What's going on? And you just observe the body language. You know, just without even hearing what they're saying, you can really tell a lot by just how tense someone is or how relaxed someone is, or you know. So. I think, yeah, for for what I do now, probably the restaurant industry was the best thing.
1: I think we may be out of time. Um, I'm really sorry we didn't get to see two cars one night.
2: Well, it's on the internet. It it
1: is. It's on YouTube. Um, With sound. Yeah, I would um, recommend watching it, as it really does give kind of... It's brilliant, but also it gives an indication of where you go as a filmmaker, I think.
2: It is a good, yeah, it's my first film, yeah. and it's a good... Uh, I've, I haven't watched it since 2005, probably, and just seeing a little bit there, I couldn't... I mean, I still can't watch it, but <laughs> I think it's a good thing to see, yeah, just, like, how something can how begin, evolve. and then yeah. how, and I guess, yeah, where I'm at now. Um, thank you guys so much for having me. Thank you guys for having me. It's been a real pleasure to come here and visit this fine city. Um, and I hope nah. that there was some... <laughs> sort of anything useful in this <laughs> conversation, um, but I really appreciate uh, you taking your time to come out today.
1: Thank you, Taika you too. <laughs>